Coming up on this week's show is the final episode of 2018. We've got book reviews and a look forward at the new year. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 169 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me, as always, is my co-host and awesome husband, Will Knaus. Here we are, final podcast of 2018. Hope everybody's doing well and you got through Christmas week in whatever way got you through it and are ready to celebrate the new year uh, on Tuesday as we welcome 2019. How are you this week, sir? Uh, I am dragon. I am so... (laughs) (laughs) I am uh, foggy and confused and I'm tired. And if that is not a perfect metaphor for 2018, I don't know what is. Um, so I will make it through this week's episode. I can't, can't guarantee that uh, anything I say will make any sense, but I'm going to give it a shot. It'll make sense. We'll make it make sense in post-production, if nothing else. So a few things of note for this week. Uh, I was kind of excited this week to discover that Schooled, the second book in the Codename Winger series, was nominated in the Goodreads MM Members' Choice Best of 2018 Awards. Uh, it was nominated for Best Coming of Age Book. And I have to say I'm a little daunted by some of my competition in there uh, because Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera's co-written book, uh, What If It's Us, was nominated. There's a V.L. Losey, R.J. Scott book in there, uh, Riker. So I'm like, I'm, I'm honored to be among uh, some of these authors who I adore so much. Uh, if you have not voted in the Goodreads uh, MM Members' Choice uh, awards for this year, and you're a member of that group, you can vote through December 31st. So you'll, if you're picking up this podcast on Monday, you can still get in there and make some votes for your favorite books. We'll have a thing in the show notes, a link. That's what that thing is, a link, not a thing, a link in the show notes page that'll get you to the front page of uh, the voting for those. So very cool about that. And thank you uh, to the folks that nominated me, because that's all reader-driven uh, to get nominated there. So that was quite the honor. Uh, we also, this week, we both published blog posts about uh, our our adventures through the multitude of Christmas movies. I think we watched more Christmas movies this year than any other year that we've been kind of watching Hallmark. Of course, Hallmark Channel put out a gajillion this year for the first time, uh, far more than they have in the past. Uh, and we also watched a good number on Lifetime. So we both uh, put our favorites out there. And I do want to give a special shout out because we talked a few weeks ago, rather early on in the Christmas uh, movie Palooza, uh, called out a Hallmark Channel movie called um, Road to Christmas that had a, we'll call them a secret gay couple. Uh, they were very clearly a gay couple to those who were looking for such a thing. And there's a movie on Lifetime that we saw called Christmas Around the Corner, which had a lot going for it, not to mention, not the least of which was the fact that it was set uh, in a bookstore. Uh, but it featured a um, multiracial um, gay couple. Uh, one of them was a minister. They had a kid. Um, it, w- it was awesome. They were introduced as husbands. The lead character even asked him what it was like to live in this tiny town. Um, so it was really great to see Lifetime kind of embrace even more diversity. Um, in their Christmas movies this year. So we'll have links in the show notes uh, to our blog posts on both of those. Lastly, uh, Kennedy Center Honors uh, aired this past Tuesday on CBS. Uh, Among the honorees was Icon Cher. And uh, if you have not seen Adam Lambert's performance of Believe, where he took this very upbeat pop song and kind of morphed it into a power ballad, that made Cher cry. Uh, we will have a link in the show notes to that too, because it was one of the highlights of the show, which also featured uh, Kelly Clarkson doing a kick-ass rendition of Fancy to honor uh, Reba McIntyre, and also uh, many of the original cast of Hamilton performing because uh, the, the creators of Hamilton were also honored with Kennedy Center Honor. So we'll put all that in the show notes for you as well. High school hockey player, computer whiz, covert agent? Theo Reese's life is split between being a normal teenager and a secret agent who goes by the codename Winger. 
After years of providing mission support from behind his keyboard, he's thrust into an unexpected world of adventure and danger. In Tracker Hacker, the first book in the Codename Winger series by Jeff Adams, it becomes personal for Theo as an enemy organization compromises tactical operational support's agent tracker system. Among the missing agents, his father. Theo puts his life on the line to stop the hack and rescue his dad. Diverse Reader says, Wow, talk about a wild ride from beginning to end. I could not stop reading. Discover the world of Codename Winger with Tracker Hacker. Available in ebook, paperback, and audiobook, as narrated by John Solo. So before we get into some book reviews, uh, we did want to talk about a movie. Everybody's been talking about Dumplin' on Netflix. I've seen it come up in my social feed quite a lot since it dropped on the streaming service. And we took the opportunity to watch that last night. Uh, it's based on a 2015 young adult book uh, by Julie Murphy, who I discovered in my research. She's actually in the in the audience at the drag performances in this film, so she gets her little author cameo in there. Uh, Dumplin' is about a teenager named Willadine Dixon. Uh, she's been nicknamed Dumplin' by her beauty pageant-winning mom. Um, it's she sees it as kind of a uh, a nickname, a cute nickname, and uh, Willow doesn't really care for it at all. She was primarily raised by her aunt uh, because mom was always off doing beauty pageant things. And Aunt Lucy gave her a love of Dolly Parton and what's not to love about Dolly Parton and also gave her a huge shot of self-confidence. Um, Will doesn't like anything about the beauty pageant scene uh, and really doesn't like having to take her mom around to all these beauty pageant activities um, as her transportation and escort to these things. And everything kind of comes to a head right after school goes back to the to, to the fall term. And uh, Will is immediately suspended uh, for kind of sticking up for another of the overweight girls at school. Um, Millie got pushed around by a, a bully and, and Will just wasn't having it anymore. And, and she stood right up to him and, and kicked him in the balls and promptly got herself suspended. Um, all of this leads to a big confrontation uh, between Will and Rosie, and Will doesn't feel like that she's she personally isn't getting any, the respect, and she's very comfortable in her own skin, so she doesn't mind her appearance at all. But it's she feels that her mother has issues that she is not you know pageant ready, if you will, um, and she Will also feels that she's that she's disrespecting Lucy's memory as well, which just eventually leads to Will discovering in Lucy's belongings the fact that she, uh, at one point around ninth grade, was going to uh, enter the Miss Teen Blue Bonnet pageant, uh, which her her sister was already competing in. Uh, but for some reason, she pulled out of actually getting into the pageant, and Will didn't understand uh, why Lucy would pull, pull out of the pageant like that. So Will and her friends, uh, her best friend Ellen, Millie, who she'd already stood up for, and feminist Hannah all decide to try out for the pageant as their own form of protest. Um, it's, it's such an amazing film, which I'm tremendously probably not doing justice here as I describe it. Uh, besides the pageant, uh, Will also works at a fast food place. Um, where she's working alongside a former prep school jock named Bo. Um, she can't figure out why Bo likes her. And I have to say that like the first gift that Bo gives her is a magic eight ball, which I thought was really kind of fun uh, to, to gift somebody an eight ball. Um, Will has to kind of work out why Bo likes her. And she, despite her own self-confidence, can't wrap her mind around why a boy like like him or how she perceives him is into a girl like her. All of this is wrapped up in such a really joyous film. Um, the girls get their, their learning on how to work in this pageant from a bunch of drag queens that they find out that Lucy was often going to their Dolly Parton shows and they go off and kind of get these lessons in how to carry themselves and how to do the makeup and what to wear. And there's some really great montages around that. And it, it's really a tremendous movie about embracing who you are, having the confidence to be who you are, and to go out there and really, you know, take hold of the world and, and don't look back. Um, Jennifer Aniston 
plays the mom. She's Rosie. She's tremendous. It's it's like a very not Jennifer Aniston role um, in any way. You will not see Rachel from Friends anywhere in that <laughs> portrayal, I don't think. Um, Danielle McDonald is Dumplin', and I, I haven't looked back at what her career was before this movie, but I look forward to see what she does next because she really uh, just in, put so much into Will that it was really a tremendous role for her. There's also a great... Uh, cameo from Kathy to Jimmy as Millie's mom, who is the, this quite religious mother can't quite embrace the idea that her daughter's gone down this pageant path uh, with little to no warning to her. So yeah, if you haven't seen Dumplin' on Netflix, I highly recommend it. What did you think of this film? Um, I'm really glad that we got a chance to see this. Um, it lives up to all of the hype. I think from a storytelling perspective, um, it pretty closely follows uh, a standard hero's journey, um, which in uh, modern filmmaking has sort of become uh, the, the one thing that tends to drag a movie down uh, is his strict adherence to uh, certain tropes and certain story beats. Uh, case in fact, Aquaman. <laughs> Sweet baby Jesus. Ugh, Aquaman. Um, so where <laughs> Aquaman was dragged down to the bottom of the sea, um, I think Dumplin' was uh, uplifted by its, um, in this case, heroine's journey. That's um, pretty standard. We've seen this kind of thing before, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, sort of an outsider character um, learns self-confidence and becomes their true self. That's essentially the kind of story that we're dealing with. But Dumplin' does it in a really appealing, uh, uplifting way, which is uh, definitely what we need here at the end of 2018. So uh, as Jeff mentioned, I think we both highly enjoyed Dumplin'. And if you have not checked it out yet, uh, what are you waiting for? Get on Netflix and watch it. So switching from movies over to books, you've done a couple of titles on audio this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I essentially wrapped up my Christmas reading for 2018. And the first book I want to quickly talk about is Peppermint Spiced Omega by Susie Hawk. And this is the third book in her Hollydale Omega series, uh, the Imprig series that I've completely fallen in love with this past year. Um, I am late to the Susie Hawk party, I freely admit it. Um, <laughs> the Hollydale Omega series started last year, but um, Susie has been releasing them in audio the past couple of months, and I've been really, really enjoying these audio books. Peppermint Spice Omega uh, is Tom's story. Now, Tom is uh, one of the secondary characters. He features heavily in the first two books. And now we finally get to uh, know a little bit more about Tom and about his backstory and why he is the way he is and why he deserves to find uh, an amazing uh, uh, alpha to love him and cherish him. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to keep this really, really brief. Um, now, when I usually do a book review, uh, I try not to be all coy and like, spoiler alert, that kind of a thing, because let's face it, we're talking about a romance. We all know what's going to happen. We all know how they end. Um, with this particular book, though, there are certain twists to the story. Uh, um, primarily, we find out some of Tom's backstory. Um, that's a little bit surprising and figures into who he is as a person now. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about that. And I'm not going to talk about some of the story story twists uh, because I think that would um, hamper your enjoyment if you haven't read this book yet. Even though this book came out last year, um, I, I still think uh, I'm going to try and keep this as vague as possible. Um, Tom is out at the local club one evening at, where he runs into Dr. Colin. And uh, Dr. Colin has a patient, uh, a little girl, and she's going through cancer treatments. Uh, so Tom ends up becoming a foster dad for this little girl. And I think what's sort of surprising is that um, what we know about Tom, it's like the last thing you would ever expect is to uh, see Tom 
taking to fatherhood so readily and uh, he's frankly really damn good at it too <laughs> um, which is a little bit surprising uh, so so Tom is uh, becoming a foster father uh, Tom is falling in love and of course since this is an impreg book uh, Tom ends up getting pregnant um, which is like a whole other thing uh, there's a whole lot of twists and turns uh, where that's concerned as well and um, I really, really enjoyed Peppermint Spiced Omega. Um, I'm really happy that Tom got his happily ever after with Dr. Uh, Dr. Colin. And I highly recommend, uh, if you haven't read this third book, um, you check it out. Uh, especially if you are intrigued uh, by uh, Impreg and uh, the Alpha Omega Dynamics. If you haven't uh, dipped your toes in those particular waters, I highly recommend the Hollydale series uh, because I think it's uh, so sweet and cuddly and fun. Um, quick note, the audiobook was of course read by Drew Baca and I adore him. I think he is the perfect narrator for this series, uh, no, due in no small part to how well he performs uh, Tom and his um, weird uh, sassy vocal inflections. I think I've mentioned in reviews before that Tom has this unique habit of referring to himself and everyone around him in the third person, uh, which, of course, in real life would be incredibly annoying. Uh, but Drew, <laughs> um, through his narration of this character, uh, makes it very uh, funny and endearing. Uh, and uh, we also find out in this book why Tom does that. So if you're curious oh. as to why Tom's uh, speaks in the affected way that he does. Uh, definitely check out Peppermint Spiced Omega by Susie Hawk. Cool. So I, I I'm kind of done with Holiday, and I switched over to hockey. So I'm at least still... he's done with Holiday. <clears throat> yeah, over. It's over. <laughs> uh, but I stayed in the winter vein, uh, picking up a hockey book. I got Rachel Reed's Game Changer. Uh, this is Rachel. I believe it's Rachel's very first book. Uh, certainly the first book that I've read from Rachel. And I love these characters that she's given us here. Uh, Scott is the captain of the New York Admirals, which is an NHL team, who and, and they're, they're on their way towards the Stanley Cup. That, that's what they're working for right now. One day, he goes into the smoothie shop where Kip works. Uh, Kip is kind of... Doing that almost in-between job thing. He's, he's a college graduate, not quite sure what he wants to do and where he wants to do it. Uh, so he's been working at the smoothie shop. He's still living at home with his parents, but he's thinking about grad school and kind of what he wants to do next. Uh, their cute meet is all about Scott coming in and getting this blueberry smoothie. Now, Scott's been in a little bit of a slump with his game. And after getting the smoothie, the very next game that he plays that night... Uh, he scores, the team wins, it's all great, and of course, hockey players, being the superstitious lot that they are, we must have the blueberry smoothie <laughs> at all costs um, for the home games. And uh, so he's back to the smoothie shop and back to the smoothie shop, and as they keep coming, as he keeps coming back, Scott and Kip kind of, you know, start to have this attraction with each other. Uh, there's a little bit of flirting going on. And it's all really, you know, super cute and adorable. Uh, one of the bigger problems is that Scott is quite in the closet, uh, despite knowing that he is gay uh, since he was a teenager. He's never come out. He's never discussed it with his parents. He's never come out to his team. He's never come out to a soul because his entire life revolves around hockey. And he always has heard, you know, the homophobic jabs on the ice, in the locker room, you know, people throwing around words to get under people's skin. And so he just doesn't feel like it's something he can do. And now that he's the captain of this team, he also doesn't feel he can disrupt the team with something in his personal life. All that said, the attraction keeps these two coming back to each other. Kip is staying over at Scott's house. Um, they try to be in public, but not together in public. So they'll be across the room from each other or maybe in a group chatting with each other. And this really starts to just wear them both down. Um, Scott gets in a little rut again because he realizes he's not being true to himself and that's causing him a lot of grief. Um, for Kip, it's about, you know, not being able to share this man that he's falling in love with, with his family, with his friends, with anybody else. And all of this just starts to pile up. Of course, this is a romance, so it's all going to work itself out in the end. 
And I have to say that I really like how Rachel approached uh, Scott's coming out and the steps that he goes through to um, embrace, you know, bringing this man that he loves so much into his into his life uh, with the team, uh, getting to know uh, Kip's family and friends. Um, it's it's wonderful stuff. So we go from a really awesome cute meet to some really good. Um, making it all come together so that the characters get to live, you know, a rich, full life that is, you know, fully out in the open. Um, a couple things that I'll note um, with this, well, with this book and then with hockey books in general, um, there's a lot of sex in this book. And at times I felt the sex really slowed the momentum of the story down. Um, and I got to where I was literally just scanning to make sure I wasn't maybe missing key dialogue that might happen during the sex scenes. Cause it's like, okay, I get it. They have great sex. Let's, let's get back to the story. Um, but what kept me going was the fact that Rachel had a really great story going on around it. So I didn't mind having to just flip past those pages. So, uh, your mileage on that portion of the story may vary, but if you're, if you find it slowing you down, move on. Cause there's good story happening in there. Um, and something I'll say about the hockey genre in general, if you're going to use NHL and Stanley Cup, don't change the name of the teams. I, I don't get that. And this is not something that I've only seen in Rachel's book. This is more of a general comment that there are authors who will use the big brand like NHL, but then change the name of the teams. And it's totally distracting when you're dealing with that because you're, you're kind of using a part of reality and then not. Either please build a world and rename everything or use the existing stuff and don't rename it because that, that just yanks me out of the story. And I just have to, again, the story here, I didn't have to worry too much about it. I just kept going and I ignored that. But that's my little hockey romance rant right there. Either use the team's or build your world. <laughs> don't mix the two, please. Thank you. I don't. But, I completely disagree. But you know, that's just me. Using part of the reality and not the other part. Well, NHL and Stanley Cup are essentially uh, what's what's the word? Um, since I'm not a sports person, I don't have any clue what I'm generally talking about. But when <laughs> when you say NHL, then the reader understands that we're talking about professional hockey, mm-hmm. period. So that's fine. And if you want to use a real team, awesome. Uh, if you don't want to use a real team, that's awesome as well. I don't actually care. <laughs> and if you want to say the word Stanley Cup, that's fine because that is the uh, the that's the goal Mm-hmm. Of you know hockey, so it is. That's just those are um, t- touchstones. I think that's the word I want to use. Okay. Those are touchstones in the sport of hockey. So I do not uh, uh, have a problem with using the NHL organization or the Stanley Cup because that's essentially what hockey is. And if you want to create your own uh, bubble of uh, fictional. Hockey fun uh, within that, I don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, and in fact, I think I prefer that. Okay, personally, I like that we've had a discourse on this, and even a different discourse because it might hang me up because I'm such a hockey fan that if I see New York Admirals, I'm like, well, shouldn't that either be the Rangers or the Islanders? No, nope, it doesn't have to be not at all. <laughs> anyway, all that said, I highly recommend Game Changer from Rachel Reed because oh. Scott and Kip's story was awesome, and I just came across the fact that there's a Christmas story. So I'm not totally done with the Christmas reading, because I am going to have to go read uh, Scott and Kip's first Christmas together, because I'm sure that's going to be super cute, too. What's your last audiobook? Um, one last book I want to talk about is Better Not Pout by Annabeth Albert. Now, uh, you may know I've been reading some Annabeth this past year, and I'm definitely a fan. And I am so very, very happy. Uh, that she has written this full-length Christmas book. Um, Better Not Pout is about Teddy. He is a nice guy who runs a local Helping Hands charity uh, in his small New England town. And uh, he is essentially paired up in this story with Sergeant Major Nick, um, 
those of you who uh, probably have read Annabeth in the past, um, she loves her military men, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Sergeant Major Nick is no exception. Uh, he's sort of the uh, gruff, grumpy guy who's close to retirement, who is uh, roped in to playing Santa, be uh, you, you know for reasons. Um, <laughs> in in this particular case, um, Teddy is doing uh, a holiday photo shoot. It's going to sort of be like a local version of uh, where's Santa today for like the local newspaper or the TV station or whatever. So they end up spending the day together. Uh, uh, Teddy is dressed as his uh, Santa's helper, an elf, uh, and Nick is uh, dressed up in a scratchy, threadbare old Santa suit. And they like you know spend the day like driving around to local landmarks and stuff, taking pictures for this sort of ad campaign for the local charity. And um, uh, they uh, things are you know a little crunchy at first. <laughs> Because uh, we're dealing with the grumpy Santa trope, uh, but eventually uh, uh, Sergeant Major Nick warms up to Teddy, uh, because how could you not? He's adorable and sweet and kind-hearted. Um, so once their uh, day is over, uh, Sergeant Major Nick gets back into his truck and has to navigate some of the uh, local back roads in order to get to the main highway to get back to the base. Unfortunately, uh, there's a snowstorm, uh, and his truck uh, slides off the the road into a ditch. Uh, so he has to like trudge through the snow in his Santa suit. He, <laughs> of course, he he left he he wore the Santa suit from the base to the like the photo shoot thing, and he doesn't have a change of clothes. So <laughs> here's this grumpy Santa trudging through the snow, <laughs> trying to find the highway when he comes across this house, and it actually turns up to be like Teddy's cabin. So they, uh, so Teddy works really hard to warm Nick up, and boy does he! <laughs> uh, so that's the start of their journey towards love. Uh, um, Nick's uh, truck uh, needs some repairs, so he ends up kind of hanging out with Teddy and some of the secondary characters of the story. You know, you've got your. Uh, standard, um, you know, cute small town characters, and plus all of the extended uh, family, uh, Teddy's family members, and all of that sort of stuff. So Nick is experiencing uh, small town life. He's uh, not emotion. Eh. I'm trying to choose my words carefully. He's not emotionally shut down necessarily, but he has walls up. Mm-hmm. He's a gruff military guy. Uh, he's who's been in the service for uh, quite a while, and he's sort of being you know pushed towards retirement. Uh, this, by the way, is an age gap romance. There's roughly a 20 years age difference between uh, Nick and Teddy. Um, which, by my way, if I had to predict anything for 2019, I think age gap is going to be the big thing for mm. uh, next year. I think this past year. Um, it was all about impreg and the different um, sort of subgenres that you could play with uh, within that genre. And I think moving in towards 2019, I think age gap is going to be a big thing. Okay. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> anyway, so back to <laughs> Teddy and Major uh, Sergeant Major Nick. So um, they end up like spending time together, of course, and uh, Nick ends up opening his heart to all of the people in the community uh, as well as Teddy. And they end up hooking up, and it's really super amazing. And the problem is is that uh, at the beginning of the year, um, when Nick retires, he has plans to go to Florida and like uh, run a charter boat business with one of his army buddies. Okay. So if our two main characters are kind of going into this with their eyes open. They realize there's essentially a ticking clock. And their, you know, whatever their relationship, using air quotes, whatever their relationship is, it's going to end, you know, at the beginning of the year. Um, (laughs) Of course, uh, you know, feelings uh, don't care what, uh, you know, (laughs) rational thought uh, plans out. uh, And they end up falling in love uh, over the Christmas holiday. Uh, Unfortunately... um, um, Nick being the kind of uh, 
regimented military guy that he is uh, ends up leaving. He does go to Florida. Uh, and this is the point in the book we just want to shake him. It's like, oh, you stupid, stupid man. <laughs> just say I love you. What are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, Nick, Nick's got some stuff that he needs to work through. Some, some family things. He's got sort of a troubled uh, backstory with his family. So he spends part of the holiday with them before uh, continuing on to Florida, where his old army buddy is actually the one who shakes them. It's called, what are you doing? go back to teddy so that's what he ends up doing uh on new year's eve uh through uh, uh some difficult uh weather he uh flies back to uh teddy and they live happily ever after because this is a holiday romance um that sounds adorable i loved it to pieces <laughs> i loved it to pieces i don't think my summation really kind of um captures the the warmth and the there's a certain depth of emotion that Annabeth Albert was able to capture with these two characters and how well I ugh, I hate to be all like squishy and, and like say oh they complete one another but they kind of do because <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning is sort of like an opposite attracts thing but I think uh, really they they uh, um, they fit together really, really well. So I highly recommend, um, if you're in the mood for one last Christmas romance, I recommend you check out Better Not Pout by Annabeth Albert. Cool. Of course, you can find links to everything we just reviewed in the show notes. And if you use those links, uh, we'll get a few pennies because we are Amazon affiliates. So feel free to click on those links to get to the books that you might want to read. Uh, another way you can support the show is through Patreon. Uh, with as little as 25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay for the cost in producing and distributing this podcast. And there's opportunity there for you to ask questions of our upcoming guests if you're a patron. And of course, you'll get bonus episodes too. We've got like, I think it's 22 bonus episodes over the past two years that you can get uh, if you're a patron as well. So if you want any information on that, you can check it out at www.patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So, of course, last podcast of 2018, it's actually New Year's Eve as this drops. And so, as everyone is doing, it's time to look back at what was read uh, in 2018. Um I had an amazing year of reading. I really am surprised by how this sorted itself out. Um, each year, I always set the the year's reading goals to the number of books that I read the previous year, which so far, at least the last three years, um, I've exceeded the goal. And boy, did I blow by it this year. The goal was 57 books, and I actually read 75, which is like... I think Goodreads put it at like 130% um, of the goal, which is like, okay, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and to break down that reading a little bit, um, I'll, I'll cop to the fact off the top that two of the books were my own books uh, because I listened to both Hockey Player's Heart and Tracker Hacker when they came out on audio because I needed to know how that sounded. And I was, you know, of course, pleased with both of those. Uh, there were also two rereads uh, during the year. Um, I reread Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli uh, to prepare to go to see Love Simon at the theater, which of course is probably my favorite movie of 2018 that I sat in the theater for, and maybe of the entire year period, uh, for reasons that are well documented uh, in the podcast back in March. Yes, and April. yes, we don't need to hear about how you love Love Simon, um, and I also. <laughs> Uh, reread Wolf Song uh, mm. by T.J. Clune. Um, I re-listened to that uh, to prepare for Raven Song, uh, which was one of the very last books of the year that I uh, did. Uh, I also reread multiple authors this year. Not reread. Sorry, I read read multiple books by the same author. That might be what I'm trying to say. Um, so Becky Albertalli, T.J. Clune, 
uh, Layla Rain, Lucy Lennox, C.B. Lee, and Reese Ford all showed up on my book list multiple times this year. Uh, in particular, Layla Rain. Um, I think I read, I think it was five books from her uh, over the course of the year. Uh, and from these authors, uh, really set some of the best stuff that I read this year. Um, Becky's book that she released with Adam Silvera, What If It's Us, was absolutely tremendous. Um, TJ with both Bones Beneath My Skin and Raven Song completely delighted me and destroyed me at the same time. Um, Lucy Lennox, I, I was so just head over heels for Lucy and really embracing the, the books that she writes with both Forever Wild uh, and the Marion series, which I read a couple books in this year. Uh, C.B. Lee's um, Sidekick Squad. I can't wait for the third book, which I think comes out sometime in 20, uh, 2019. And Reese Ford's 415 Inc. just gave me all kinds of awesome feels. Uh, this was also a year of me getting very into romantic suspense. Uh, in no small part to Lily Rain's books, but also Gregory Ash and Alice Winters. Um, I, I fell down that rabbit hole and I see a lot of romantic suspense coming for me in 2019 as well. There were a couple of amazing YA debuts this year with Running With Lions from Julian Winters and There Goes Sunday School by Alexander Eberhardt. Uh, particular call out to Alexander because I'm right now reading his second book called Lock and West, which I'm like 15% through it. I'm just like, oh my God, this is awesome. Uh, that book comes out January 8th, so you'll we'll I'll be talking a lot more about that in a couple of weeks here on the show. It was a weird year for nonfiction for me because there was just a teeny tiny amount. Uh, two books, Armistead Maupin's memoir and uh, Rachel Heron's book about fast drafting your memoir were the only nonfictions that I got in this year. But, you know, looking back over these 75 books, it's like, wow. Every one of the books I looked at as I looked through the list was like, oh, oh that, that was a really good book. Um, so I also managed to have a good year where I didn't um, DNF many books at all. Because I always keep track of that. And I think it was only like two. So I was very pleased about that. Because I've gotten better about DNFing, kind of following on your footsteps of like, life's too short. And yeah, it's like, okay, I can't deal with this. Move on. So that's my 2018 reading in a nutshell. How was your year of books? Yeah, 2018 was a really fantastic year for books, um, all of which has been documented here on the podcast. Uh, it's true. A lot of great stories to enjoy. Uh, in the past year, um, as I was going over my book list, um, my little leather bound journal that I bought at, um, I keep things pretty low-tech and low-key. Uh, I just have this little journal that I jot down what I read every year. Uh, a journal that I bought at Borders. Uh, <laughs> just to give you an idea of how how old the, my uh, list and how far it goes back. Um, so in the past year, in 28, uh, 2018, I read 84 books. Oh, go you. Uh, as compared to 2017 where I read 66. Um, and I have a few th thoughts on that. I don't necessarily think I read more or read faster. I think part of that is is that this year I um, just as a personal preference, I sort of um, I was looking for shorter reads. Uh, mm. I read a lot, an awful lot of novellas this year. I think part of that is because uh, this past spring we moved. And I didn't really want to like burden myself with an uh, like 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 an extra long or complicated read, um, and that was essentially my feeling feeling for the entire year. Um, I wanted something you know quick and sweet and fun that I could you know enjoy immediately right away. Not to say that I didn't read any full length books this past year because I certainly did, but I think the the large jump in numbers is due in small part to. Uh, sort of um, diving into novella-length fiction this past year. Mm -hmm. Also, I did a deep dive on audiobooks this past year, which you did as well. Yeah, I think that, that definitely helped my numbers since I tend to have the audiobook that I have for morning time workout and in the car and then the the ebook or physical book for 
you know, bedtime reading and that kind of thing. So I usually have two books going at a time. Yeah. Um, so super quick, some notes that I, that I, some, some things that I noted as I was going through my a list of reads in 2018. Um, last year in 2017, I sort of uh, read a, a some holiday fiction by Sylvia Violet and Kira Andrews. Both authors uh, have been uh, writing and have been uh, very successful. They've got a lot of really devoted readers. And uh, last holiday season, I read my first stories by the two of them, uh, which therefore uh, made me curious to dive into some full-length fiction from both of those authors. So I definitely enjoyed their books in 2018, particularly um, Beyond the Sea by Kira Andrews and also her historical uh, Kidnapping the Pirate. Um, oh, that was good. Which might... <laughs> um, I'm not really going to do a best of, but I think if I was, <laughs> I would say Kidnapping the Pirate is probably at the uh, top of my uh, favorites this past year. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that book an awful lot. And the audiobook is stellar. It's really, really good. Also this past year, um, since we're talking a little bit about full-length fiction, I gave Rosalind Abel a try. Uh, this is the co contemporary romance pen name of friend of the podcast, Brandon Witt. Um, I really enjoyed those books an awful lot, and I highly recommend uh, you check them out. Um, i not even halfway through the series. Um, <laughs> those books are off and running. Uh, and Brandon has uh, slowly but steadily been doing the audiobooks for that series as well. Uh, I read, using air quotes there, uh, <laughs> read those books uh, on audio, uh, uh, which are truly exceptional. I highly recommend you check out um, the Lavender Shore series if you haven't already. And uh, also, um, as I just mentioned, uh, I finally gave Susie Hawk a try. Uh, she been having some remarkable success in 2017 and i figured like eh, i'll see what all the fuss is about <laughs> and uh, i have really enjoyed her holiday Omega series so i of course recommended uh, i just recommended giving those a try uh, i continue to recommend them and i look forward to reading and listening to those stories uh, in 2019 uh, looking forward um there is uh something worth noting um Sylvia Violet, who uh, we've had on the show uh, not too long ago, uh, sort of gave us a sneak peek into what she has planning in 2019. Uh, she is going to be giving Impreg a try with her Trillium Creek series. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And also, uh, in a funny twist, uh, Susie Hawk, who is primarily known for her impreg stories, is actually going to give contemporary romance a mm. try. Uh, she is starting a new pen name, Susan Hawk, and her uh, new Love Strong series is going to be starting in the new year, and I'm really looking forward to that as well. Cool. So, on my kind of... Since you kind of pulled this into 2019 a little bit... Uh, looking at some 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 goals, if you will. Um, obviously, from a reading standpoint, my baseline is now 75, which seems a little bit daunting to me, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm already off and running with the first two books of next year, since I'm reading two right now that'll finish after the after the new year starts. So onwards with that. Um, in terms of like my writing goals. Um, something I will share now on the podcast for the very first time that it's been shared in public. Um, I pulled uh, from release the Hat Trick books at the end of the year. Um, so very shortly, if they're not already off sale, they will be. And I am re reimagining, would that be a word to use for that, perhaps? Sort of, yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Um, when the books were done, you know, I was I was new writer, the Hat Trick books. Uh, book itself was not written. It was not written with the idea that it was going to be a series. It was not written with me knowing too much about really the tropes that I was trying to hit with it or anything else. Like, I'm going to write this story and here's the story. And that's what it was. And I'm very, I was very happy with the success that it had at the time. Um, overall, very happy with the series. But there were things in the series that could have gone better. Um, and I have pulled the books. 
Um, and I am working on those probably for the first half-ish of the year, maybe, maybe less, depends. Um, among some of the things that's going to happen here is that for the very first time, uh, Alex is going to have um, a voice in, this, in these stories. The, the story was always about um, the relationship between these two high school hockey players, Simon and Alex, and it kind of started from their senior year in high school and went on towards their senior year in college. That doesn't change, and the base of the stories don't change. But uh, instead of the whole books, the whole book series being told strictly from Simon's point of view, Alex is now going to share point of view. So it'll be one of those books where you pivot back and forth uh, between the chapters. Um, who's got the point of view? So I'm having a great time right now writing things from Alex's point of view. So I'm excited by what's going to happen here. The books are already under contract uh, with Harmony Inc. So I'm excited to move all of my YA books uh, to a single publisher um, where the Tracker Hacker books are already at, or the Winger books rather. So that's happening in 2019 already. And this love of romantic suspense that I've, I've blossomed over the past year as a reader Coupled with the, the fun that I've had working and writing the Codename Winger books, uh, I'm going to go down a path of romantic suspense. I don't know what that quite looks like yet. I've got ideas, I've got notes, and I'm going to try and make that into a pitch to create uh, a little something there as well. So more on that as I actually sort it out. But the beginning of 2019 is all about um, recasting the hat trick books and... Uh, for readers who've already read them, I hope they're interested in going back to them to seeing what Alex thinks of everything that went on in those books and hopefully, uh, you know, bring it to a whole bunch of new readers um, as well. Yes. Release dates, TBA. Coming yes, to you. Yes, TBA. In, in 2019. Hopefully. Hopefully that first book can eke out uh, before the end of 2019, but it might be more of a 2020 thing. We'll see. Mm -hmm. What's your 2019 kind of, what do you see on your horizons? Well, uh, I'm going to try and go over this really quickly. I feel like we've been talking for hours and hours for a show for, <laughs> for a show that's just the two of us. is like, oh my God, we will not shut up. Okay, really quickly, I read two books that have played a big part into uh, how I'm thinking and reimagining what I want 2019 to be. Um, but by the way, uh, as you know, as much as you know, 2018 was a dumpster fire for the entire world. Um, I think our 2018 went pretty, pretty well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it started with you know our co-authored book, uh, and it kind of moved forward into uh, a new living place. Uh, we are now residing just outside of Sacramento, and we're very, very happy with the move. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think all in all, 2018 was a pretty good year for the two of us. Yes. Uh, so looking forward into 2019, I uh, want to quickly mention two books that have got me um, uh, thinking how I want to attack 2019 in a positive, proactive way. Uh, the first book is The 12-Week Yeared Field Guide. Um, this book is uh how <laughs> i'm trying to think about how i want to say this um there's nothing particularly new uh in the 12 week year field guide um it essentially uh talks about uh the idea of periodization which is like breaking down the year into certain periods whether it's be you know you know weeks or quarters or whatever uh in this particular instance they're talking about uh breaking down the year into 12 week increments mm -hmm. and uh attacking the the essentially one quarter of the year as if it was the year as a whole oh wow um so yeah uh, so that was interesting um I it, it's fun and an interest and it's presented in a new and interesting way which I enjoyed uh, and that's how I'm going to be thinking about and planting planning 2019 for myself. Um, the second half of the book is like utterly ridiculous. It's this whole <laughs> whole way of like scoring and keeping track of your goals and like there are like algorithms for figuring stuff out and all of it went. Whoosh, right over my head so i don't recommend the second half of this book but the first half uh is really really good uh so i'm going to be tackling my uh personal fitness goals in this manner as well as my creative um goals i want to um 
move forward uh, into 2019 uh, by creating more content more consistently. Another great book that I read this past year um, is called Atomic Habits. Uh, this is sort of the, uh, the hip bestseller book about uh, habits and habit forming. Um, habit stacking, that's like a big old thing and then it has been in uh, self-improvement for quite a while now. Uh, and like the previous book, like the 12-week year that I just spoke of, there's nothing particularly new in Atomic Habits, but I think the way that it's presented and talked about uh, is kind of fresh and fun and it makes it kind of it jogs your memory and it's like, oh yeah, I should be thinking about things that way. Um, I think um, one of the problems with uh, New Year's resolution or you know, habit planning or habit stacking or thinking about the new year with SMART goals. Uh, anyone who's read any self-improvement book in the last 15 years knows all about SMART mm. goals. I think the problem with SMART goals, uh, especially the problem I have with SMART goals, is, is that they don't ad necessarily address the under underlying reason for uh the the new goal and uh atomic habits sort of like digs into why we do the things that we do and how to create uh, healthy habits uh kind of do away with bad habits all that sort of great stuff um, so i highly recommend giving uh, atomic habits a try um, it's definitely help me reframe uh, my ideas about what I want to achieve in 2019. Cool. So there you go. That's our 2019 pre-look in a nutshell. And of course, you'll be here for the next 52 episodes of the podcast, hopefully, to see how well, it turns out. Well, we hope you'll be here for the next 52 weeks. Yes, we'll be here. So we hope, <laughs> we hope you come along for that journey as well. Um, I think that might do it. What yep. do you think? I think that's more than enough of us talking. Uh, hopefully, you have some big, amazing, fun plans for the new year. Coming up next week in episode 170, we have K.A. Mitchell. She's going to join us to talk about her Bad in Baltimore series and what she's got planned for the new year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with her and, and finding out what's what, what some of her goals might be for 2019. Exactly. So, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube, I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>